welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 180 of the Find Your Awesome podcast. What? This little thing I started in the camper when we were traveling around the country in the camper for 16 months. And I got this idea. I wanted to start a podcast and here we are 180 episodes in. That's a lot of episodes. Huh? That's pretty cool. So before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you that if you want more ease, flow, love, joy, magic, and miracles in your life, I got you. Turns out that's what I do. I help people experience more of all of those things. I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here. And I do that through human design and coaching. So head over to KelseyAbbott.com to get yourself on my schedule, whether it's a human design reading or alignment coach or sparking joy or whatever feels right for you in this moment. I got you. Also, I love you and love hearing from you. So if you ever want to reach out to me, you can do that from my website as well. Now, let's talk about today's guest and today's conversation. We're talking to Irene Lyon. She's a nervous system expert who teaches people around the world how to work with the nervous system to transform trauma, heal body and mind, and live full, creative lives. Yeah, we're talking about trauma. Lowercase t, trauma. We have all experienced it and it doesn't make us broken. It doesn't make us less than anything. We are all whole. We are already whole and we can all heal. Healing and wholeness are not, they don't, they're not oxymorons. We can be whole and we can heal. And Irene today talks about how trauma that we've experienced earlier in our lives might feel totally healed. We may have, you know, totally let that go from a mind perspective, but it could still be living in our bodies. She helps talk us through how we can heal that in ourselves and also share some of her cool experiences with healing her own DNA after an experience with a galactic historian. As usual, we go a little bit all over the place to bring you all the sparkle. I hope this episode perhaps shines some light on your own experiences or the experiences of your family. We are all humans doing this humaning thing together. Sometimes it's a little complicated. I mean, the thing is all of our souls are light and love and we're in these human bodies having these 3D human experiences. And it's a little weird and confusing and wacky and none of us have any idea what we're doing. So Remember that. Remember that we are all fumbling through this experience with our big puppy paws tripping over ourselves and that that's exactly how it's supposed to be. We are all light. We are all love. We are all whole and everything is possible. I love you. You, yeah, you are a miracle. Go forth and be awesome. Irene, I'm already having so much fun being in your energy. Thank you for being here. You're welcome, Kelsey. It's good to meet you. Yes. So we were just talking about the concept of deep rest. We are recording this on December 31st, 2020. Uh After, well, it's not after, we're still in this year that's been like no other year. Mm -hmm. What... What are your plans for the next few days? Yeah. So I am, yeah, like you said, it's been a big year and my normal resting protocols were kind of thrown off by not being able to travel across the border to go to my favorite resting spot. And it really hit me about a, a month and a half ago, how deeply tired I was. And so it took close to a month to clear enough off my schedule as it happens, you know, um, as it happens to get to this point where I've got this weekend completely off. My husband and I are going somewhere Airbnb ish 
so that we can just change the scenery. You know, like I love my home. We love each other. Like we have a great place to live. We're right by the ocean. There's nothing wrong with where we live. But just getting out of that routine. Mm -hmm. And we're going out to the country and we're going to have 50 acres to be on and just use the hot tub because we don't have a hot tub, that kind of thing. And just really rest and not do anything other than what our bodies want to do. And then I've got kind of two weeks. It's not completely cleared off, but where I'm not doing interviews, where I'm not having meetings, I'm not doing anything that's going to require getting ready, getting up, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm just going to let my body kind of go where it needs to so that it can just have some neutral time, basically. Yeah. I breathed into it when you first told me about it. And once again, that was involuntary. <laughs> just breathing in your rest and something I've been thinking about with uh, regards to just my schedule tomorrow is I've got an invitation to do an open water swim first thing in the morning. Yeah. Something I love to do. And yet I am like, I'm like adamantly opposed yeah. to having anything scheduled tomorrow. Yeah. There are things. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I can just say no, No. not tomorrow. Just rest. Just there are things I will do. There are things sprinkled throughout my day, but not, not a schedule. There's something about not being scheduled in our current human society that is almost uncomfortable for a lot of people. Mm. Right. For me, it feels wonderful. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking, I don't know. This wasn't a talk. This was a comment. Actually. I'll share this. I was looking through some comments on my YouTube channel and I, I I'll paraphrase. Um, and the person was really grateful for my work and they said, this is all great. All this nervous system healing stuff, which is what I do. And she said, but it was a she, um, let it go. The trouble is that we're meant to be the way we were back before domestication of plants and animals. And if we could just be like that, everything would be fine. And like, that's wishful thinking and God, yeah, I would love that too, but we can't go back to the way things were before we domesticated plants and animals, because we'd have to basically start from scratch and find a new planet and start over again. And that's probably not gonna happen now. Yeah. And so it's like, we have to find a way to harvest or harness what we would have been more like back then with the current technologies and structures that are in place without, you know, there's, there was a big thing. I don't know when it was a few years ago, where it's like everyone wanted to live in it, not everyone, but the idea of intentional communities and living off the grid. And I think that's great, but not everyone can do that. And so it's like what people who can't do that are just doomed to be stressed out and constantly living in this fight, flight, freeze world without, I mean, no, it's like, how can we find ways to bring the way we might've been back then with rest and more nomadic worlds and living now and not get rid of everything that has advanced us to this point. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Technology has given us so much. We don't want to throw it away. We want to work with it. We want to like modern (laughs) dentistry. You know, yes, yes. (laughs) There's certain things that we forget. People, they're like, oh, but people died so young back then. It's like they did because they would get nasty infections because there was no way to clean them because maybe you didn't have water for six weeks. You know, to, to, I mean, it just, we forget, we don't realize how barbaric things were back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's different ways of that barbaric nature now, but it's different. So the technology I think has been really important and our consciousness is a technology too, right? Which we didn't realize in the same way back then. So anyway, it's all us 
learning and adapting constantly. Yes. Like this is evolution. Oh, completely. We're now evolving along with the technology. And sometimes the technology is getting ahead of us and sometimes we're catching up to us. I mean, yeah. we're in this we're giant social experiment right now. Completely. And we're part of the technology, right? Mm -hmm. Humans are not just animals. No. We're, we're pretty unique in terms of a species where we've got the animal biology. We have that that we share with other mammals. But then we have this higher brain and this mind that we still don't know where it lives, essentially. And I mean, there's so much research that, that has come out around distant prayer, distant healing. The quantum field of science is, I heard somewhere the other day, and of course I didn't fact check this, but the person saying it was very um, reputable source. And he was like, quantum physics or quantum science is the most researched science that exists. Mm. And he's not someone that would make a lie about that. You know, I think it was Bruce Lipton, who is someone who I think you probably know Bruce. Yeah. In his work, it's like, yeah, okay. If that's true, then, you know, there's so much that we are learning, but that part of science tends to not get into the mainstream <clears throat> in the way that, excuse me, that I, I wish it would. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> How is quantum science related to our ability to care for ourselves? Well, I'm not an expert in it. So this is my amateur, my amateuristic sense. But the first thing that came to mind was time. And according to some trains of thought within that world, there is no time and there is, but there isn't. And so what we were talking about before, how just to not be scheduled, right? And I think we do like certain things, you know, you've got kids that you need to pick up. You got to get to the grocery store before it closes. So you have something to eat at night. Elements of time are essential and at least in my work, there's this thinking of, oh, well, the past is now, the past is past, right? That bad thing happened to me 40 years ago. Therefore, it's not important because it was so long ago, I should just be over it, mm. right? And that's a real big problem because as we've learned, I've learned, and this is where the physical sciences and the neuroscience backs up the quantum science is that, oh no, like I've worked with people and I've had experiences where I feel like I'm back in that accident or they're back in that attack or being screamed at by a fifth grade teacher, you know? And so what does that mean? If you are experiencing the same physiological hmm, memory and you're actually emitting hormones and stress chemicals as if it were that day back in 1975 when you were being screened at by the teacher. That tells us that time, it exists because that was 1975, but it also doesn't because my body is remembering it like it was today or yesterday. Do we know why that is? Why? Why, why does our body remember stuff that we would, maybe like to forget? Well, we have a higher brain. So the human brain from again, what we know is probably the most complex, one of the most complex machine pieces of machinery, pieces of technology. So it stores immense amounts of data inside. And if we don't heal, so there's a, there's a catch 22 here. As the human we've got, we're, we're animal, mammal, and then we're human. And so the human is what's created this technology and time tracking and all that kind of thing. If little Johnny was screamed at by his teacher in 1975, um, and if he doesn't know how to process that adverse stress traumatic event, which most people up until this day, and I'm being very general here, haven't, he will shut down. He will hold it in because I'm not going to cry in front of my 
peers and I'm not going to get in trouble because she just told me if I do what I need to do, I'm going to get you know, smacked on the hand with a ruler, which is what happened back then. You know, my dad's talked about that before. And I'm going to go home and mom and dad aren't going to know about it because I'm not going to tell. And I maybe even forgot about it. And then that gets trapped. So when we can't express the hurt, that is what's stored. That's one reason why it stores it. But then like, let's just say little Johnny had, you know, if that didn't, well, if we were in a more evolved society, that would never happen in a school, first of all. But let's just say it was half evolved and little Johnny gets, you know, uh, abused by the fifth grade teacher. He goes home and mom immediately recognizes something's not right with little Johnny. He's, he's snapping at me or he's not wanting to eat his dinner. He's grumpy. This isn't like him. She might inquire and be like, what, you know, are you okay? Like what, what's happening? So that level of attunement would be, we could say a bit more evolved to help him process that. And so then maybe then the quivering lip comes out, oh, Mrs. So-and-so did this. And, and then she would console him, let him cry. And then the stress response would come out and he would heal it, you know, because he's healed it, but the memory was so positive with his mother that will still stay in the mind as a memory, most likely, but not as a traumatic event. So it's so interesting because there's not just this one size fits all, you know, in the, in the world of talking about stress physiology and trauma, people always use the example. There's two examples that kind of drive me crazy now. One is, oh yeah, well, we were chased by the saber-toothed tiger. That's the whole nomadic thing. Like our stress chemicals go up and then the tiger either eats us and we die or we get away. And as soon as we get away, our stress hormones go down. That's a nice example, but it doesn't, it doesn't um, match up with little Johnny five, fifth grade and then how mom deals with it. It's, we're too <clears throat> complex for that. Right? It almost actually feels like it, discounts little Johnny's experience. A hundred percent. Be like, little Johnny, you weren't chased by a saber tooth tiger. You're fine. Exactly. And like, if, and that's the thing is there's this sort of, and you know, I'm hoping it's starting to change, but it's like the boy code. I think there was even a book written about that where it's like, oh, you just got chased by the tiger or, oh, you just fell off your bike and, and hurt yourself. You know, you just bloodied a lip. You're fine. It's like, actually, no, you're not fine. He's not fine. You know, I don't know if you've fallen recently or you've scratched, you know, scraping your knee and getting sand and dirt inside a wound. It stings. Yeah. It hurts. You know, I brushed my chin over some cedar wood in our backyard the other day. I was like, ow. And it's still like a little bruised and healing. So if you, you know, take someone who's little who doesn't understand how to, process what they're feeling. Maybe that's the first time there was pain in their body. And then to be told you're fine, get up, nothing's wrong with you. Like, well, actually that's a lie, right? We start lying to our little ones so early and then they trust us because we're the big person, right? And we know that this big person is keeping us safe and feeds us. So we better follow instructions. And so you're right. I must be fine. And that's how we start the process of shutting down our natural impulse. Mm. So to go back to the quantum thing, it's kind of like the time thing is interesting because we need it in our current society. But when we play with time not being real and the present, present moment, the past and the future can also be in the current moment, we can have a lot of fun with healing because we're, we're maybe acknowledging what occurred in the past. Maybe we're also seeing what can potentially happen in the future, but we're also at the same time noticing what's happening in the present moment. And it, that seems like a lot of things to juggle at the same time in our human system, but we actually can. Like our consciousness has the ability to hold past, present and future at the same time. And when I've dabbled with that with my um, students and such and myself, you kind of like, there's all, you know, in the movies, uh, Kelsey, when you see someone standing somewhere and then the camera pans out and the world just kind of, 
it's usually in a bad situation, like someone's stressed and they're all of a sudden just like this being floating. So imagine that, but in a good way where you're consciously wanting to do that. When you dip into that different level of sensing, feeling, hearing, breathing, kinesthetically being in all those three moments, my experience and what my students have said, it's like you kind of lose track of time and you become fully present with all these timelines at the same time. It's very trippy. (laughs) That sounds very powerful as well. And I will say, I know what you're talking, like my body, my brain doesn't know what you're talking about. My body does. Beautiful. That's a really good point because our bodies are the ones that know. Mm -hmm. Brains can figure stuff out. They can build a car and, you know, make a really good, seafood linguine and all these sorts of things, but the body is what stores, again, in my opinion, and from my experience, the deep, deep intelligence. Yeah. And we've so gotten away from trusting what it wants to tell us because our higher brains, I mean, I'm sitting here at my desk, I have papers and my iPhone and three kinds of earbuds and two computer screens and you know, it's like, it's filled with all this minds, this mind, higher brain stuff. And so it's very easy to just get trapped into that brain kind of world. So It is. And one of the things I work on regularly with my clients, especially when yeah. we're working around human design is that you live, you're here to live in your body. As you uh-huh. said, our brains are for processing things. Our brains are for like, word problems and yeah stuff like that but the the truth the wisdom lives in our bodies it's in the body 100 percent. and you know that you know the as simple as it is the little johnny example the moment he isn't respected in his in his sadness and pain he disconnects from his body so what happens to little johnny this this event who's in fifth grade in 1975 yeah. it's 2020 yeah. what's what's little johnny experiencing now how's that showing up in a in his it experience it, it it really depends you know it depends i mean you know remember those books choose your adventure i think we're probably about yes the same era right like you you open the page you read the first paragraph and then it's like if you want to see what happens when go to this page or go to this page and so You know, if he had that parental structure that did not know how to attune to him, which is sadly more common than not, at least in our Western cultures, he will most, and I'm, again, this is a generalization for the record. (laughs) Um, He will most likely go on to other instances where there's stress, adversity, trauma, and will not know how to feel it and process it. And slowly over time, those stressors, those experiences, those sensations of intensity, you know, maybe he uh, gets into a car accident when he learns how to drive and he feels all this intense shame and whatever and holds it in, right? We call it the, 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 the stiff British upper lip, you know, mm-hmm. that, that common, like just holds all in and everything will be fine. And it's complete BS because that stuff doesn't just leave with time. And so say that happens and then say, you know, he gets into university or college and same kind of thing, you know, burning the candle at both ends and following the law of this is what you're supposed to do as a man, you're supposed to do this. You got to get the job. You got to find a wife. You got to get the home with the white picket fence. And all along, he's never asked himself, what do I want to do? Like, what is my body? What is my, what do my cells want to do? But it's because never was he asked or given the permission to really feel the authenticity of his emotions. We always are talking about how I need to be authentic, be more authentic and raw. And we're making it so complex sometimes when really it's just like, can you feel your internal organs? Right. And so little Johnny continues. So he's got the the house, the wife, 
maybe doesn't most likely know how to even talk with the wife because never did he know how to talk to his parents because they didn't know how to tune to him. So he might've found a partner who's just as shut down as he is. They have the babies because that's what you're supposed to do. Baby comes out crying, crying. Oh, doesn't know what to do with the crying baby because he doesn't know how to attune to pain. And so it's too painful to hear the crying baby. So he's just going to lock the baby in the room and let it cry itself to sleep, which happens a lot. Um, and then that baby learns how to go into shutdown. And then meanwhile, he's, you know, having his scotch, nothing wrong with scotch. I love scotch, but you know, lots of it to numb out this something that he's feeling in his heart that doesn't feel right because he knows he wants to pick up his baby, his deep inner person wants to pick it up, but he won't because that will make that little kid weak, you know, which don't get me started on that. You know, for the record, babies are meant to be picked up when they cry. They don't know how to soothe, right? The, babies are actually weak. That's they are. They need us. They're completely so immature little animals. Mm -hmm. And they need to learn how to self-regulate through co-regulation with an adult that's mature. But if you are letting a baby cry and cry and not pick it up, I mean, this is going to sound really bold. You are not a mature adult. You are cutting off something in your own emotions that will not let you care. If you saw a screaming puppy on the street, think about that. Would you just walk by it? No I mean, I can start crying thinking about it. It's like, yeah, that, that puppy's coming home with me. Uh huh. You know, or a, or a or a um, a seal washed up on the ocean that's like mm -hmm. in pain. You're not going to just, or whereas you don't know what's wrong with it, you're not going to ignore it and walk away. So why do we do that to our children? You know, I feel like I should put this in there. But with the seal, I would not approach it because that is illegal. I would call the appropriate authorities. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. But you would do something. You know. Yes. Anyway, so here's little Johnny as an adult, baby's crying, he's drinking too much, and then he's probably not listening to his body, so he doesn't want to eat well, because when you're also cut down and shut down, you're not going to know what to feed your body, you're not going to have the impulse to exercise, or maybe you'll have the impulse to exercise so much because you're trying to feel something, so you go and you push in the, at the gym, anyway, and then, you know, Again, depending on genetics, because genetics do play a part, his predisposition, maybe, you know, his predisposition was a heart disease. And, you know, age 55 comes along and he starts to feel something in his heart and he goes to the doctor and lo and behold, he has coronary heart disease. And then, oh, well, you got to go on these medications and okay, I'll follow what you say because I've never stopped to think what my body needs. I mean, I'm making this sound really terrible. But sadly, this is what most people do. They have no internal compass to actually discern what do I really need? What does my sovereign self really need? And it can start as young as that five, grade five or five-year-old or whatever that wasn't allowed to feel the pain. So that's like an explosion of a what if, right? And then there are some instances, Kelsey, where little Johnny might have had, maybe he had his first heart attack at age 30, which does happen. And maybe he hadn't had kids yet. And that's like a, holy cow, something's, this isn't good. And maybe that is what wakes him up to start to figure out how to take care of himself. I have met many people who have gotten very sick. Often it's cancer. Um, and they're young and they recover and they completely change their lives. And they will say that they wouldn't have let go of that illness and diagnosis. You know, they would, they would want it if it were to happen again, because it's what woke them up to, I need to take care of myself and figure out what to do. So I don't end up with this again and again and again. What about the people who don't wake up? That's okay. Really? I mean, this has happened for centuries, right? Mm -hmm. Most people have, you know, they've woken up in the way that they can. If you believe in a soul, which I do, yeah. their journey was to not perhaps in this lifetime. And my sense from what I'm seeing is that there's a lot of stuff that's triggering old, old memories, like, and not just from this lifetime, but like 
ages ago, like intergalactic stuff is being triggered right now. And those who are meant to wake up and contribute to us surviving and not just surviving, but thriving as a human race are, are feeling attention. It's like, okay, something, some are either already in it, some are sort of behind and others are like in this limbo where they're like, something's not right and I need to shift something and I have to just keep following this and following this. But you know, some people won't and that's okay. When I was younger in my work, I wanted to like heal the world and make sure that every single person woke up and I still want the world to heal, but I've taken that monkey off of my back because I have seen, I have worked with people who've done so much work. They've put in so much time and so much money, but something in their system still keeps pulling them back, keeps sabotaging them, keeps you know, putting the, as we would say in Australia, the spanner into the spokes of the bike. Like it just, for whatever reason, they have such a strong resistance psyche that won't, will not let them find like true joy and beauty. It's like, I don't know where that comes from. We could say it's dark energy, you know, if we yeah. go back to Star, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the possibility sometimes I think that those people chose that this lifetime they were their lack of awakening was here to serve other people. Yep. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of cases where I've seen clients completely wake up and heal because their family systems were so opposite. Yeah. Right. And, you know, how many people do you know who are the black sheep? I know many, most of my people are the black sheep. I am the black sheep, right? Yeah. sounds like you are too. I am so the black sheep. It's like, we almost need a club. I'm sure there's a Facebook group somewhere for that. But it's like, yeah, I think that there are certain people here that are put here, however you want to believe that happens to really shape, shake it up a bit. And, and, and that, you know, we're all... I really believe in individuality, like as humans and our brain, we're, we're not like, we aren't like the sheep. It's funny that that's such an interesting parallel there, but you know, we're not, we're not, we're built for more. And yet many will continue to, to be that way. And that's fine. And that's taken a lot to get to like, you know, to really be okay with. Mm -hmm. I feel you. It sounds like, I feel like our our missions on this planet, Irene, are are very intertwined. Oh yeah, it seems that yeah. way. Um, so how do people <clears throat> when what happens? What brings people to you? Mm. Um, lots of things. And recently, I've been interviewing some of my students, and the factor that they get to most of them is that they're googling at this point my nervous system is unwell like there, there is a level of understanding and enough popular science i think and popular press has talked about the vagus nerve and the nervous system and trauma you know it's, it's trauma is becoming such a buzzword that actually there's a part of it that people don't even know what that means <clears throat> so they know that there's something wrong they know you know, we're in the year 2020. I got into the health and healing world in like 1997 when I was in university. And I watched this evolution of fitness in the 80s and 90s. And then nutrition got bigger in the 90s and 2000s. And then it was, you know, mind, body, meditation, yoga, Eastern philosophy. So there's been this interesting evolution. But <clears throat> the one thing and all these individuals that I've worked with no matter where they are in the age spectrum, they were always kind of unwell, something wasn't right, whether it was a more psychiatric mental thing, which we know is actually physiological, it's not just mental, or it was an autoimmune thing or chronic pain or an injury that just couldn't heal a relationship. And then they were trying, you know, the food, the diets, the exercise, the meditation, the weekend conferences where you, you know, hit a pillow with a baseball bat and all rage together. Like 
shaman work. Like people have done everything and there's nothing wrong. Like I'm not, I studied nutrition and exercise science for seven years. I'm big into that. Right. But they, nothing was sticking. And so kind of how I've evolved in my path from my first years in university to what I'm studying and really interested in now, these people have also followed that path. And now they're like, okay, there's something still missing. And now we have the the science and we have the, the, um, the research and we have the practices that are all kind of lining up at the same time. And so they'll find me and usually people will say, and again, these are their words, not mine, is they'll just hear my voice and something, they just know that they have to get more. It's usually not, even, it's the content, but it's also, I guess, how I teach it, which is- It's your energy. It's my, it's my superpower is yeah. how I put it out there. Um, can you define trauma for us? Sure. So there's, there's new ways of defining it. Like, so I, I love shows like Grey's Anatomy and ER. So, you know, if you've watched any of those medical shows, the trauma surgeon is what does the crazy stuff when you're, you know, car accident, blood vessels are all over the place. So that's, that is a type of trauma, you know, blunt trauma, you know, that kind of thing. But in my somatic new traumatology world, that's what we call it. Trauma is something that is in the system, in the nervous system, in the body, in the organ systems that is there because something bad and scary happened to us and we're still holding it. We're still trapping it. And so it could be anything from natural disaster that we survived and we still have PTSD. It could be that attack that happened in a dark alley when we were in university at one point. It could be the abuse from our uncle or, or aunt or whatever. It could be the, the teacher for little Johnny. You know, um, It could be um, a lifetime of gymnastic work or figure skating where you fell every single day for 10 years on your butt. That was me, I figure skated. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of impact and having to get up right away and keep going. Mm. So and not allow yourself to process the fall. No processing. Never, never. When you're on an ice rink with 30 other people zooming around, it's like, and I'm still processing the whiplashes and the concussions from that and my ski racing days. Right. So it's like trauma is anything and everything that was scary of massive impact that put our body into a stress state and we never healed, resolved, or what we would say deactivated it. It got stuck. I think that your definition is beautiful and so Mm -hmm. important for people to hear because I think a lot of people think like, well, you know, I've never lost anyone super close to me or I haven't been in this horrible accident or so I don't have trauma we all have trauma we all have it I will say that you know with my both my hands in the air swearing on every bible in the world like I have not met anyone yet who hasn't experienced something that they have trapped inside Mm -hmm. not not one human I've ever you know there might be someone in the Amazonian jungle or somewhere in a nomadic tribe, if they still exist in Mongolia or, but it's, I've yet to find it and it's okay. Like that's the other thing is it's okay. What's not okay is when we aren't understanding and accepting, oh, is that why I keep doing this? Is that why I keep losing relationships? Is that why I can't find a relationship? Is that why my digestion is completely wonky, even though I eat so well? That's actually a big one. When people see some of my you know, marketing things, it's like you are so clean in your diet and you've done everything and you still have IBS, right? And you've gotten rid of all the stressors in your life. And this is very common, especially folks with really chronic autoimmune, like fibromyalgia, MS, you know, you name it, chronic pain is their, their worlds are often so perfectly controlled so that there's no room for any kind of stress because they can't handle it. And yet, even with all the stress gone, their symptoms are still super, super duper crazy and super 
highly sensitive. And so one would say, well, if it was stress that was causing the illness and all the stress is gone, there's no work, there's no, it's like, you would think that the person would be better, but they're not, right? And then it's like, well, it isn't so much the stress that's external, it's the old traumatic stress, because there's two types of stress, right? It's the survival energy stress, it's the fight and the flight and the freeze that's still trapped in their tissues that they aren't even probably aware of because it's probably been there since before they were born. Again, I'm generalizing, but. So if it's there from before we were born, is it ancestral? Is it it something that we picked up in the womb? It could be picked up in the womb. Like I was talking, actually I was on another podcast last week and the host said that her mom worked full time until like the day she was born, like high stress. And I didn't, you know, the details are important, but probably because money was tight, mm-hmm. needed to work, all that sort of stuff. So here's this gestation period where you really need deep rest at certain points because you're growing a human in you and mama is overriding. Mama is on a time schedule. When she feels the need to rest, she isn't. You know, there's no time for those stress chemicals to, to dissolve and get peed out through, you know, and filter through the kidneys or, or the liver. And so a little baby, little fetus, however you want to call it, is getting exposed to all those stress chemicals. And so a little bit of stress chemical is fine, but if it's there 24 seven, that little one is going to get used to, oh, this is how life is. So she comes out and she's literally like, I've heard, I haven't seen this, but some of my teachers will say when a baby comes out and they've been under intense stress, whether it's that or mother was abused or war-torn countries, there's a lot of research from Holocaust survivors who were in camps pregnant and the mothers who were pregnant during 9-11, for example. And I have no doubt we're gonna see something very weird after 2020 Mm -hmm. with mothers who have been stressed the last year but they come out and these babies will literally have fists like they're ready to fight they're not you know they're not relaxed they're not soft and and open and and um and it's like okay that's not good (laughs) right so it can be it can be in utero it can be transgenerational or intergenerational or ancestral Um, Because again, if we go back to the little Johnny example, great example, if mama didn't know how to attune to him when he came back from school bullying incident, chances are she didn't get attuned to. So her ability to pick up on cues is going to be, you know, if he comes in with like bleeding, you know, arms broken, she's going to see that. Like, again, this is a spectrum, but if it's super subtle and she doesn't have energetically an ability to feel into that more subtle layer of something's off. Um, it's called our neuroception. That's a fancy word, like the perception of safety or danger. She'll just pass it by as if it was, no, nothing's wrong. And chances are it was because she had that when she was young. And we know, you know, the history of world wars and depression, the great depression and all that, like there was a lot of strain. Um, So that's one way that trauma gets passed on. The other that I have looked into a bit more in the last five years is past life trauma. The work of Brian Weiss is pretty darn conclusive. I I get a lot of flack for even talking about that, but just read his books. He was a trained medical doctor. Well, he was based in Florida, if I can recall. And I mean, his stories are just mind blowing and it blew his mind in the eighties. He didn't know what to do with these patients who started recalling old memories from lifetimes that weren't now. And as they started to heal and process the pain of these memories, their symptoms miraculously disappeared. And so that is an interesting one. Um, And then the other thing that I am more new at, so I don't have the expertise language to talk about this, but is just the dark forces that are around our galaxy And from what I've learned, this is super new to me. um, These forces will know when a soul comes into the world who is meant to do really great things. I don't know if you've gone into the Akashic records and just how these things are set. And so these nefarious sources that 
don't want humanity to progress into beautiful goodness, they will be like, oh, that little one is going to do good things. We're going to screw with its DNA. We're going to go in and do something so that they don't die, but they're going to struggle a little bit more. And I, I talked yeah. about this, uh, Kelsey, because I just dropped into that in my own system literally in the last month. I got Say some, more, please. <laughs> I got some information from a wonderful man who's an intergalactic historian um, who I found through some sources and my husband did some work with him. And my husband's like, you should get a session with this guy. He's pretty on it. And um, yeah, he just, he's someone who can drop in to what's called the Akashic Records, which I can't define because again, this is new to me. And he can basically be like, yep, at age this, this occurred and your DNA got screwed with this illness and it's been affecting you ever since. And so for you to heal that, you got to go to that level. But for me, it was my DNA level and actually do the work to heal that injury. And it wasn't like an injury, like a blunt force trauma. It was an energetic insertion of bad information. And and how did you go to the DNA level? I'm still working with this. I'm still working with this. So it was more uh, mindfulness, meditation, kind of shamanic connection, which from what I, I haven't, I haven't learned with anyone. I haven't gone to like a medicine healer in the desert or anything like that. But back to the body that we were talking about, our bodies, when we're really tuned into our emotions, our sensations, our organs, and the bigger picture of the galaxy, if we want to call it that, and just energy in the world, if we can really follow what wants to happen and really trust it, and this isn't about like connecting to some God or anything like that. It's just source energy that's there. Um, you can start to unravel what might need to happen. So for me, and I'll share, there was this image of like, and this is me. So for those listening, don't do this because this was my thing. For another person, it might be something totally different, but I'm like, okay, my DNA got impacted at first breath. Okay. And then I just started following, oh, okay, I got to take it out of my body. So I had this visual of all my DNA coming out of my body and linking up. And at first it was around the planet of earth. And then I'm like, no, 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 that's not big enough. It has to be like out to the farther reach, farthest reaches of the galaxy where there's no more planets and it's dark not dark in a bad way, but where there's no frequency and there's no gravity. That was the one thing It needs to go somewhere where there's no gravity and it's just floating. And I actually had my husband look it up. And I think it was like, if all of our DNA was out of our bodies and I might get this wrong, but it was something like it can travel 61 times back and forth to the sun. Wow. That's how much DNA is in our system. Cause if we think about the trillions of cells, each cell has DNA it's, it's, it's real, even though it's so super tiny. So imagine like, you know, popcorn strings on a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of genetic information. Yeah. So no wonder you had to go way out. I had to go further. I'm yeah. like, no, this isn't, this isn't far enough. So I, I went all the way out and this wasn't something that happened in like five minutes. Like it's taken me a few weeks to, to you know, every time in a, I'm having a moment to just sit and like, I tune into it. And then it was, I'm like, okay, it's out there. And then it had to get, I'm like, it needs to get scrubbed. And again, that wasn't me, you know, looking at a book saying, and now you have to do this. Mm -hmm. It was completely me just feeling into whatever it was that was giving me this information. So some would say, oh, that's psychic. Some would say you're connecting to your guides. Some would say you're connecting to source. Some might say, this is God giving me this. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Like, it's just, this is coming in. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, crystals, we got to scrub it with crystals that are really clear, like in a washing machine, you know, those not washing machine, car wash machines yeah. where the, the big floppy things come over your, mm -hmm. and so like I just had that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had that image, but crystals and it's just being, and then, um, and then right now it's still up there. 
seriously, like, and it's resting. So the next, the last time I tuned in, it was like, okay, it needs to hang out there for a little longer and it needs to just settle. And so what's interesting about this, because I'm sure, you know, out of a group of 10 people, some will be like, oh, that's cool. Some will be like, okay, that's a little weird. And some will be like, yeah, that's crazy. And if we think back again to little Johnny, thanks little Johnny, like <laughs> kids are so amazing. Whenever I have a chance to be with a child who hasn't yet gotten into the school system, I will often say, tell me what it was like before you were born. That is one of the coolest things to do with a child. Who has what kind yet. of answers have you gotten? Oh, you get all sorts of answers. Like I can't even remember because they're like, they, they, and they don't, as long as their parents have been open to magic and just expression, they'll tell you, mm-hmm. right? And one of, the, one of the things that was so fun when I was in private practice was I would know when somebody was in their true selves because they'd be tracking their sensations, they'd be tracking their body, they might be going into a spontaneous movement pattern, and then they stop. It's like they reach um, the still point, you know, that zero point kind of energy field in the quantum world, and they, their eyes open, or they look at me and they go, oh, how does it go? You're not going to believe this, or it's like, you're no, this is what it is. This is going to sound really weird, but... The amount of times I've heard a client say, this is going to sound really weird, but I often think that could be a really good book. It's like, this is going to sound really (laughs) weird, but, and I'm like, no, 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 no. The fact that you just said that means you're onto something Mm -hmm. because if someone, you know, someone more analytical, well, that's stupid. You can't take your DNA. Like imagine if a kid said, mama, mama, I just saw all my cells go out into the universe and kiss the stars. And it got blessed by all these unicorn angels. And that's their that's their essence and imagination coming out. But if, if mama's like, that's impossible. And a lot of parents will say that a lot of school teachers will say that mm-hmm. you squash that little person's life force. And we're meant to be creative. We're meant to have that magic. We're not meant to be like Pavlov's dogs. Right. And most of us have been conditioned to be that way. So when we have an image like that or a dream that is so wacky, we wake up and we're like, oh, that was nothing. That was just weird. Like, yeah, it was pretty weird, but that shows how complex our system is. So that's another way that we go back how trauma can get inserted is, you know, if someone's got some pretty strong source energy to do some really good work in the world, um, I'm starting to see that it might not be something from this lifetime that got us. It could be something past in utero, intergenerational, or this new thing that's I'm, I'm kind of playing with right now. This is so fascinating. It's fun. When I was little, like I think until I was three or something, like, well, my parents say, I couldn't say Kelsey. Hmm. So I said me Tashi. Oh, I don't know the reasons but I don't maybe like 10 years ago I was mm-hmm. reading a book and learned that Tashi is the Tibetan word for light oh so as a little kid wow. I knew my truth I knew that I am light totally mm-hmm. and it's not like they told you what that word was no you like, just knew it. it was like 30 years later that I learned what that word meant beautiful yeah that's like divine in my opinion Mine too. I completely agree. Yeah. So all of us have trauma. Yep. What (laughs) other than scrubbing our DNA, which we know is your process. (laughs) That was mine. um, What are some things that people can do? Yeah. The first thing that I always teach my people is you got to learn about the autonomic nervous system. You've got to learn about how it plays in with the organ systems And I don't just mean like the digestive, like everything, like lymph and cardiovascular and brain, but also how we engage with the world. Um, So learn the theory um, because it's really important. And the reason why that's important as a first step is that because we have this higher brain, 
And because we're, we've been taught to be analytical, we can't, we can't let that go. And so that's what I've seen a lot of trouble has been created in the self-help world where people are trying all these practices and all these behavior streams create change strategies, which are great. But because of our analytical brain, we need to feed it some of the why. It's just not enough to give the how. It's like in the medical world, a person comes in and has uh, a heart problem and the doctor just like, here, take this pill. And there's no, well, why? Like, oh, well, you have congestive heart failure, which means there's an enlargement of the heart and da, 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 and all the pumps don't work. Like they often a person never learns that, right? And so first of all, get really educated. And in conjunction with that, um, some of the basic practices that I teach at the outset when I'm working with my students are learning how to really come into the here and now and not from a mindfulness meditation point of view, but like, this is my desk. This is the red carpet under my feet. I'm sitting on a wood stool. I can see bamboo out my window. There's a bird flying over there. It's misty by the city. There's plants over there. Like really orienting is the keyword to the present moment. And it's amazing how many of us don't ever do that. We either go fully into the technologies of analytical brain, typing, typing, reading, whatever, or then we're like, okay, now I'm gonna meditate. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna be quiet. But there's this transition period where like, wait a second, have you, have you stopped to really like connect to where you are, right? And I know you're a big athlete. Um, I can guarantee there are many people who go for their runs and their trainings and they not once look out to the ocean and take in the seagulls and the trees and the glistening on the pavement. They're just worried about the number they're getting. And I, I, was, I was born and raised in the fitness world and I lived in a ski town. And so I saw that to mm-hmm. people's detriments, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with intense activity at all, but it's like, if you can't connect to the environment, you're missing a really big part of it. And if you can't connect to your body also. If, oh, totally. The, the and override. you can do those things while still moving quickly. Of course, of course. So connecting to the environment, connecting to this concept of reorienting, because when we have trauma, like little Johnny, for example, he has the bullying thing happened from the teacher, he completely disconnects from his body. He loses orientation to where he is. And so part of the healing is getting back to those basics. Um, And then the other two things would be learning how to follow your biological impulse again. So one of the ways we teach this, it's pretty basic. It's like, do you listen to when your bladder is needing to pee or do you, are you damn good at holding that urine in when you need, when you feel pressure in your rectum or if you feel gas passing down your colon, are you even noticing that? Right. Or are you noticing it and then ignoring it? Right. Can you feel these things and really be like, Oh, there's a pressure there. Oh, there's a cramp there. Oh, maybe I should breathe a little bit. Maybe I should go to the bathroom or thirst, you know, am I thirsty? Am I full? Am I hungry? Am I tired? And really listening to those. And that alone, as simple as it is for some people, it's very, very hard. Because if we go back to the little Johnnies of the world and all the little Susies in the world, we were not allowed to go to the bathroom when we were in grade school. It's true. Until it was recess or lunch, or we had to put up our hand or only one person was allowed to go at a time. I've worked with so many adults who have so much body shame because they soiled or wet their pants because they really had to go. And they're like, no, you don't go yet. Or mama, mama, I'm hungry. I need a snack. No, you're not. You're not hungry yet. Dinner's in an hour. It's like, actually, no, she was hungry. You know, you know, and it's like, you know, give her a carrot stick. You know, it doesn't have to be a treat. Just like food is food. And so there's these ways and you start to really unpack how we've disconnected from our biology. It's quite fascinating. And then for the deeper parts of the work, when I work with my students in my programs, 
that's like a base level, but then we get into working with the actual um, stress organs, the kidneys, the adrenals, the gut, the brainstem, the fluids, the, like the body, the joints, the diaphragms from an osteopathic perspective, because again, the body gets cut down, gets shut down. So we have to kind of revive all the different pieces and work with very strong intention, visualization, touch, but also connecting to the environment. So we're sort of rebuilding the system to be alive again, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's been shut down. We got to build it back up. Yeah, it's either been, sh- there's usually two things, shut down or, um, you know, there's fight, flight, right? So fight, fighting or fleeing. Um, and then there's freeze. And in a, in a human system, it's not as simple to say, oh, that person is just in fight or that person is, it's, there's these, um, it's a spectrum. And so there'll be moments where we know we tend to fight, we tend to argue, and then other moments we just shut down, right? And so in the physical structures, in our movement, in our organs, there will be hmm, these nuances of, okay, when you go into a stress response, your digestion shuts down. For some people, it speeds up. Some people, they go into a stress response, they go blank. They can't think of it. Other people, their mind goes a million miles a minute, right? Some people, their heart starts to go fast. Other people, they faint. And this isn't because, you know, the system is choosing. It's that that person's, that's their habit. That's how they handle it when they were young. And then that handling starts to get micromanaged into all these really weird idiosyncrasies. So it's never, this is why it's so hard to say, okay, when you're stressed, just take some deep breaths. Someone might need to do that. And someone might need to run on the spot because they're going into shutdown. You see? Yes. So that's why kind of that spectrum of one size fits all do these breath techniques is really problematic because it's not asking the person what is happening in your physiology. If you are, if you are finding yourself starting to pass out when you get stressed, the last thing you should be doing is going into an ice bath, which is really hot right now topic, right? Oh, oh, because of. Because you're going, you go into an ice bath, you go into more shutdown. Yeah. Like, actually, you should probably go into a hot tub, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so there's these, like, again, this is where it goes back to my first thing, which is you got to learn about the theory. It's not even the science. Science isn't proof, right? That's just science is trying to prove truth. Whereas the theory, like, this is theory that we know about the human system. So learning that is super important because it's not changing, like we might learn more, but these basic elements of fight, flight, freeze are pretty standardized across all medical textbooks. This is fascinating. I really, truly could talk to you all day, <laughs> but we got to wrap this up. So yeah. where can people learn more about you and work with you? My site is my name. So just Irene, I-R-E-N-E, lion, like the town in France, but like the animals, so L-Y-O-N. <laughs> dot com and um yeah when you go there there's a lot to move through um i've got um a youtube channel that's got a lot of videos um i have a lot of free resources and then i've got two online programs one is a self-study that you can start at any time and one is a 12-week program that we run once a year and we run that um, early march every year to this to this point so so far that's what we're doing Thank you for doing your work in the world. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You are amazing. I really appreciated this time with you. Thank no, it was you. fun. Well, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can get all things Irene at irenelion.com. And you can get all things me, Kelsey Abbott, at KelseyAbbott.com. That's where you can sign up to work with me and learn a whole lot more about me. 
And have you noticed that I've been dropping bonus episodes the last couple of weeks? If not, make sure you check out one's a meditation, one is a unicorn bitch slap. They are both for you. And I really hope you enjoy them. One more thing to ask, just a little favor. If you enjoy this podcast, if you could do two things for me, I would really, truly appreciate it. First, please share with all your friends, share on social media, share in an email and a text. I don't care how you share. Just please share, tell the world about the find your awesome podcast. And if you could please leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes, that would be super helpful. That is how more people discover this podcast. And that's how each one of our guests amplifies their message. We're talking about things that we want more people to know about. That's why, that's why I do what I, I do. Yeah. That's why I do what I do because I dream of a world where everyone knows and owns and celebrates their own human design and gives themselves permission to be their sparkliest, shiniest selves. And where no one tells anyone else that they're doing life wrong because they see other people living their design and they understand other people's designs and they celebrate others for living that. I want to live in a place where we all give ourselves permission to be ourselves and we give others permission to be themselves so we can all work our unique magic and come together and rise. So that was a long way of saying I want to spread the message of the Find Your Awesome podcast to spread my message and to spread the message of all of my guests. Let's spread light out everywhere and you can help. Please. Thank you. I love you. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're fantastic. You're miraculous. You are a miracle. I love you. Go forth and be awesome.